Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. We are the boys and girls in white and blue, and we're back for another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. Why, hello, I'm Harjeet Johal. How's it going? It's going very well. Thank you for finding the time in your busy schedule to join us this week for more oh, than a you know two minutes how I do. yes you know how I do. well i mean you are a very busy woman at the moment because yes we'll touch on this in part four but you are flying out tonight down to the she believes cup so busy busy time for her yes yes indeed and a particularly busy time with everything that we have to talk about yeah we're gonna have a packed show for this episode as always every single week's packed really even when i say it's going to be a short show it still comes in at two hours but we're going to talk white caps we're going to talk major league soccer we're going to talk canadian soccer and there has been a, a lot of talking points this is also our love show because it's going to drop on or about valentine's day most of you will get this on Valentine's Day. So it's going to be a show all about love, our love of football. And I've been a little bit obsessed this last couple of days with Chat GPT. Are you guys familiar with that? Is that the thing where you can talk to like people from the past or whatever? No, no that that's a Ouija board. No, no, there's it's, there's a thing where you can talk to people and like, I did hear about that, and they're talking to Hitler and all sorts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're talking to some, yeah, they're talking to some horrible people from, from, from ancient history and stuff, or history. Uh, Whoa. What, what is this thing you're on, Michael? Right, well, chat GPT, in short, it's artificial intelligence. You can basically type in what you want the AI to come up with. So people have been writing screenplays, radio shows, jokes. Students are obviously using it to cheat in essays. And I used it to write love poetry, as you do. Or your wife, of course. Haven't got around to her yet. Um, I, I did five poems. We'll talk about some of them in a later part. But I want to just kick things off just now with a love poem for the sport of football, all written by artificial intelligence. So I had nothing to do with this. And I had to type in, give me a love poem about soccer. 
because when I did football, it was going on about touchdowns and stuff. And we all know the superb owl was on yesterday, so we don't want to talk about that. So this is the poem. This is superb owl. The superb owl. <laughs> it was snowy versus barn. My wife shared a meme yesterday. It said, "You know what? Um, you know what a Super Bowl is to me? A toilet that cleans itself. <laughs> That's a Super oh, Bowl. Oh, that that would be a Super Bowl. Yes. I, As actually, I'm the person here that does all that, I would be no, very much." I, I was I was I was hanging with a group of people and the game was on, but we were playing other games and doing other things. But my moment of the afternoon, Michael, proud father moment of the afternoon, is when my son messaged me and said, "Hey, Dad, I'm watching Bundesliga right now. This is the game I'm watching. Oh, that game's done. This is the game I'm watching." I was just like, "That's my boy." Yeah, I was watching World Seniors darts. <laughs> seniors, seniors, yeah, for over fifties. There's still hope I can make this. <laughs> I'm gonna find a sport yet that I can do. Hard, do you no. fancy? Do you fancy Michael the darts hard? Yeah, he's yeah. He loves the darts. He's Scottish. He's always going on about the darts. Oh, I gotta go watch the darts. But do you well, think yeah. he could? You think he could play? Do you think he could do it? How hard could it be? You just throw stuff at the wall. Have I've you tried hard? It's very hard. <laughs> I've got my dartboard set up here. We'll get. They won't let right. me use any sharp objects, Zach. So no, I'm not allowed true. to do darts. You guys know how dangerous that could be for other people. Yes. Well, let's have an AFT and darts night. We'll see how that goes. I've got it set up in the spare room here. Let me just get to my love poem. That's all I wanted to Sorry. get to here. We've Sorry, been Michael. completely derailed already. So here's Junior, my love yeah. poem about soccer. And I, I've had a few women in my time over here ask me to read poetry to them. Um, so, I mean, we could get a whole new a whole new listenership here. That's actually a true story. I went to Blockbuster once. Caitlin was outside with the dog. And the girl at the checkout was like, Oh, I, I could listen to your accent all day. Would you like to read me poetry? And I'm looking at Caitlin through the window and I'm like, yeah, I've got to get back to my sister that's outside. <laughs> my God, no. Uh, if you're listening upstairs, Caitlin, who will also be on the show this episode, probably killing me. But here is our love poem. Oh, soccer, my love, my heart's true desire. Your grace and beauty set my soul on fire. With every dribble, every touch, every goal, you fill me with joy that can never grow old. Your beauty lies in the simple game you play, where every player finds their own unique way. And every time the ball hits the back of the net, I feel my heart soar with each victory I bet. Your elegance in the way the players move, with grace and precision, in their steps so smooth. And every time the fans break out and cheer, I know that this game is so much more than mere. So here's to you, soccer. My love for you will always last. For you bring me joy and memories that will forever last. And I'll always be there to support and cheer you on. For you are my heart's sport. And my love for you will always be strong. Is it over yet? It's over. That was all written by a computer, artificial intelligence. I think we could get that to actually do the show one week and we won't even need to do it. <laughs> so you're going to say, hey, uh, AI, do a, do a three-hour football podcast. <laughs> do a three-hour football podcast <laughs> on Whitecaps, MLS, and Canadian Premier League. But we'll try it. We'll see, that would see be where funny, it is. Yeah. I mean, some of, some of the stuff we hear covering the game here is a bit robotic, so, I mean, I'm pretty sure it'll be good. But, yeah, we're, we're going to fluctuate between 
joy and sadness on the, the show this week. On the whole, it's mostly a show about love, but we do have to touch on some sad aspects as well from the game from around the world. And one of them, just a, a little update on what we were talking about to kick off the show last week, and that is the horrific scenes in Turkey and Syria after the earthquake. Reports today seem to indicate that over 36,000 already confirmed dead from it. And obviously they need all the help they can get, monetary, people on the ground, everything like that. Two of the Canadian national team players that are over in Turkey just now, Sam Adekugbe and Atiba Hutchison, spoke out this week trying to, to raise awareness for the efforts that were going on and to try and get funds in. I want to play a little bit of audio from the media call that they had week this week just now. Here's Sam and Atiba. Yeah, it's just it's, it's a difficult time here in, in Turkey because uh, you know you 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 know these people so well and um, what they have have given to you know to to me and and what they've done for like my family and just to see the state of of what the country is going through right now and um, and how much hurt and uh, just the tragedy is it's it's hard to see you know and um, myself you know um, learning firsthand from what Sam went through you know I got a call from him in the middle of the night uh, when when everything happened and kind of just you know he showed me how how it was and I was just completely shocked um, so yeah I think I'll, I'll let Sam take over with you know go more into depth with it but just hard for me to hear of it and, and just to see and to, to know what he went through was, was hard for me to see for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, we had a game in the evening and then a couple of my teammates just came over after the game. Cause you know, usually you can't sleep because like the adrenaline rush and stuff and just hung on to the later house of the night. And then when they left, I started cleaning up my place. And then when I sat down, I just, you know, started shaking thinking I was having like a panic attack. And then it just kept like the shakes came kind of getting more and more severe. And then I started hearing like just like getting um, the chaos in my kitchen, you know, plates and like cups and everything flying off. And then the table falling over, the, the uh, TV falling over. I had a candle on my table, the candle fell over. And that's when I kind of started to realize what was going on. And I just quickly tried to like find the candle because everything was kind of a big mess in my living room. I just to quickly like blow it out so you know obviously it didn't start a fire and then you know when I came outside it was kind of just like lightning and freezing rain and like you know the road was like split and you know everyone was outside just kind of yelling um and then when everything settled down I went to kind of check my house again and obviously walked through it seeing kind of like the mess it was and then um I walked through then I drove into the city um and that's where I kind of really saw kind of like, you know, like the, I guess the devastating like effects of what happened, you know, as it drove, it's about a 20 minute drive from my house to the training ground. And then, you know, it just felt like a movie, you know, just, you know, you seeing like collapsed buildings, fires, um, people yelling, people crying, you're seeing just, you know, people digging through rubble, you know, just, broken pieces of houses, you know, um, just 
just things you never really expect. And as I started driving closer towards the training ground, it's more towards the center of the city. You know, you just start seeing kind of like even worse, you know, um, roads split, like, you know, bridges broken, 12 story, like high rises just completely collapsed. Um, and you're seeing just families like, you know, looking for loved ones, parents looking for their kids, kids looking for their parents. And it was just something like unfathomable, something you never really expect. And it was just um, crazy. And um, I got to the training ground and, you know, people are still, people are missing, people are still missing and no one, there's no internet service. You know, obviously people don't have their belongings. It's happened in the later hours in the, in the, of the night. So, you know, it's, has anything and it was just hard to comprehend and then throughout the day you're just trying to help people and look for your teammates and things like that and then you start to see just even even more so how um devastating it is you know you're you're like looking through rubble trying to find your teammates you're trying to yell for them in like you know like darkened spaces of apartments that are used to be standing and it's just you know, something you never find yourself doing and, um, you know, people coming back with broken bones and people still missing to this day. And I don't know, it's just something you can't like really explain. So, yeah, I think um, on top of everything that, you know, we spoke about what, what Sam was speaking about, what's important for us, um, uh, especially me being on this this you know call with everybody is just to just get the message out to you know everybody in Canada of uh, what Sam and I are trying to do in terms of um, you know getting help and, and getting donations. I think um, it's it's really important for for the people that are in need of that. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are still under the rubble. I, th I think around 150,000 um, is the last number that we heard. Um, so people are just really in, in bad conditions right now. And it's, it's really cold here. Um, so just, you know, making it through the day and, and in the night, it's, it's extremely difficult and just doing whatever we can uh, to get the message to, to Canadians. Uh, we've partnered with um, Red Cross. Um, there's a, there's a link, but it is through Red Cross and if, you know, any way that anybody can, you know, help out that way would would be you know, very uh, helpful and then um just on the grounds here in turkey there's um a campaign called uh ah bap it's a h b a p um they're uh, a company that you you know is very trustworthy um, and they can uh, help out as well Sam Arakubi and Atiba Hutchison there just chatting about the horrific scenes in Turkey. And we should always remember it does affect Syria as well. It isn't just Turkey. That That's just part of the the audio that Sam and Atiba had. I just wanted to get the, the start and the end of it, the most pertinent stuff, just about Sam's experiences and uh, just the, the appeal efforts as well. There was a lot of stuff covered in the call. You can watch a lot of the call on One Soccer's YouTube channel as well. Sam, just harrowing stuff, just talking about their kit man's dead, a lot of the kitchen staff, their their families have been killed or badly affected and, and hurt in it. Sam's staying with Atiba. He just 
left with three cases and his dog and then there was a private flight to Istanbul. It's just horrible, horrible stuff. Just listening to Sam talking about that. Just to reiterate what Atiba said there, the appeal that they're trying to raise money, it's redcross.ca backslash Turkey Syria appeal and it's Turkey, T-U-R-K-I-Y-E S-Y-R-I-A A-P-P-E-A-L Turkey Syria appeal backslash Atiba and Sam. You can also donate via ABAP A-H-B-A-P as Atiba was talking about there and it just... Horrible stuff, Zach, and I mean, watching the video off as well, you just, Sam just seemed in so much shock from it, understandably, and it's so tough for them just to really speak about it, but hope, glad that they're all safe, but hopefully a, a lot of funds can go their way with, with them putting that appeal out. Yeah, I mean, uh, Sam has only been there a few years, and you can tell here how attached he is. Atiba, that's been his home for so long now, uh, it feels like, um, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Uh, you continue to see the the videos of rescues and rescue attempts and loss of life. And, yeah, it's it's so tragic. So, yeah, hopefully uh, funds can be raised to help with this. Um, and uh, we, we, we see, you know, governments around the world also, uh, you know, expressing their commitment to helping uh, these countries recover. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, crazy stuff just watching those scenes. And from a football point of view, Sam's sporting director at Heitsapur is still missing, as is Christian Atsu. We talked about all the misinformation last week. Checking this afternoon, just before we were recording, we're recording this on Monday afternoon, they've got to the building of his that collapsed, and they actually rescued seven people alive from that building today, which a week on is just absolutely incredible but time is running out because it's getting colder a lot of the rescue crews are going away so just got to keep fingers crossed for that and Sam and Atiba I just, I just want to make mention of this because this we're going to talk about Canada soccer and some missteps that they've maybe had along the way in part four of this show I just want to talk about this so Sam and Atiba reached out to Canada soccer this week to try and get their message out to raise funds and Canada Soccer gave media 30 minutes notice for the call. They didn't even invite all media onto the call. And I can kind of understand why. They wanted maybe a select group of the mainstream media so it wasn't too crowded. But you don't have to ask everyone to ask a question. You can still have everyone on it and then have the, the main people ask the questions. Just get that out there. Atiba says in it, um, oh, if you can get the link out to, to everyone, because I don't have it here. No email from Canada Soccer giving everyone in the media mailing list that link. We had to get it from watching other stuff. I also emailed them asking for the audio, and they didn't even send that through. didn't even reply to, to the message that I sent. So I feel they've let Sam and Atiba down in that regard. So we grabbed the, the audio from other sources. We wanted to promote it. We wanted to get that appeal out. If you can help, I know money's tight for everyone just now, but if you can help in any way, please do. And as we always say, there's no easy way to transition from these sad stories to the other stuff. So let's just say it's time for this week's Hot Chocolate Boy. Hot Chocolate Boy He's never had one Hot Chocolate Bad One 
Rocket Boy. Yes, we're back with another Hot Chocolate Boy. Our trips to the 13th Greater Vancouver Hot Chocolate Festival are still in full flow. And we've got another one to bring you the details about this week. And it's not just me this week because I'm also joined by Hot Chocolate Girl. Say hi, Caitlin. Hi, everyone. Yes. My wife said we should spend more time together, doing more things together. So here she is on the podcast. And if only you had the visuals to see how delighted she is to be doing this section with me. So tell everyone where we went this week. Uh, Where did we go this week? I think it was Butter Baked Goods. It was was Butter Baked Goods on Mackenzie Street, part of Mackenzie Heights in Vancouver. And they have been offering three different things for the Hot Chocolate Festival this year. They had the Funfetti Hot Chocolate, which is a rich white chocolate with pink whipped cream and a festival of coloured sprinkles on top. Sprinkles do seem to be something that we've noticed in a, a lot of the ones this year. That's something that they're certainly going for. That's served with a delicious wedge of their famous Funfetti birthday cake with coloured sprinkles inside, pink buttercream on top and more coloured sprinkles to finish. They also offered the Strawberry Fields Forever. Classic hot chocolate with a mountain of whipped cream and strawberry sprinkles served alongside a strawberry marshmallow dipped in white chocolate. But no, we shunned both of those. We went for number 34 on the Hot Chocolate Festival list, the tongue-tingling mint hot chocolate. A rich, dark hot chocolate with a splash of mint to make your tongue tingle and give a refreshing aftertaste. Served with a moist chocolate cake with decadent mint buttercream and chocolate sprinkles. And I'll give you my thoughts on it shortly. Caitlin, what did you make of your tongue tingling mint delight? Well, first of all, it wasn't very tongue tingling and it also wasn't very hot. Uh, it was It was dark. But that's all I all I can say about the was it hot minty? chocolate. Not overly so. Oh, I thought it. I thought it was quite minty. No. Hmm. Yeah, it was a little bit. I could taste mint, but I thought with the name of tongue tingling mint hot chocolate, it would be a lot more minty. And tongue tingly. Yeah, I guess. What did you think of the the moist chocolate cake? Take out the word moist, and that's my answer. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a little bit of a, a dry chocolate cake, I've got to say. We have had a lot nicer goods this festival. I mean, I, I enjoyed the hot chocolate. It was quite tepid. It did have a lot of kind of cream on the top. I shared pictures on the AFTN Canada Twitter account. I, I enjoyed it. I, I think I would probably have it fourth in our five that we've done this festival. Would you agree? Yes, Fourth sounds about right. There's still time for everyone to get out, depending on when you listen to this episode. I mean, we're dropping this show for Valentine's Day and the festival does run until February 14th, although some places are only running their selections until the 13th, so they maybe already have special Valentine's Day stuff planned outside the Hot Chocolate Festival. So you've still got time to get out if you want to take in any of those, obviously aside from the Shea Christoph Winter with a Kick, which has now stopped. But yeah, I also want to give a big shout out to Amanda Chow, 
who at the time of chatting to her at the weekend had been to 19 different ones in the Hot Chocolate Festival. So when Caitlin had narrowed it down to 29, that I thought doing five. Possibly a, another one will squeeze in as well for Valentine's Day. But I thought that was going to be good. But Amanda's hit it out of the park with 19. I've said she should do this section next year. So we'll, we'll hold her to her agreement in principle to do that. Are you disappointed we didn't do more? Could you have done 19? No, definitely could not have done 19. I think the four or five that we have done, or potentially six, uh, is more than enough. There you have it. And that is this episode's Hot Chocolate Boy and Girl. Every girl yelling, wanting him to be the terror. Hot Chocolate Boy, he's a sensation. Hot Chocolate Nation, Hot Chocolate Boy. Hot Chocolate Boy and Hot Chocolate Girl there. Is that going to be the last one? For our show this year, well, we're hoping to maybe get out for a nice romantic hot chocolate on Valentine's Day. And if we do, we'll bring you the details of that one in the next show. There's a a lot of things to love about the game of football in Vancouver, in Canada, in North America. There's also a lot of things not to love. And some of those are decisions made by Major League Soccer. Although, to be fair, it's not just Major League Soccer, it's kind of all leagues, governing bodies, whatever you want to say. Sometimes they just leave you shaking your head, and that's the current situation with the the state of the MLS playoffs. Because we're less than two weeks out from the season starting, and nobody, not even Vanni Sartini, knows yet what the 2023 MLS playoffs are definitively going to look like. But there are rumours around and The Athletic has been on this since last year and they had an article just last week about it as well. So early last month The Athletic had reported that all signs were pointing to the league introducing a best of three series for the first round playoff matches then transitioning to a single elimination format for the conference semi-finals and beyond. Reasons for that? The league want to ensure that every playoff participant can host at least one post-season match? That, I get, I understand, not the worst thing, not ideal. Part of the new plan as well, though, of course, is to try and make the MLS Apple Season Pass all the more appealing, with more games on it, And of course, generating more money, more income for the owners who would be hosting home games. Under the new proposed plans, which Bill mentioned, none of which have been confirmed, 62% of the teams in the league will make it to the playoffs. That's 18 of the 29 teams making it to the postseason. Nine teams from each conference making it. Teams 8 and 9 would be having a play-in game and then they would play the top seeds in their conference with the second-placed seed in the conference playing 7th, 3rd versus 6th, 4th versus 5th. If everything was played out, there's potentially 25 playoff games this postseason, which is a lot. 
as mentioned, the, the semis and then finals and everything would be then transitioning to that single elimination game. It's a bit different from the original mooted plans, which was meant to be teams in groups and kind of have it like a mini Club World Cup. So that appears to be shelved. I'm, I'm quite pleased about that. Now, I mean, I'll say I like the current format. Far too many teams for me in this new one. I feel it's just going to dilute the quality of the postseason. It's going to make for some really dull games, some defensive games. The single elimination format at least brought some drama and excitement. So, I mean, Har, what's your thoughts on this proposed format? Obviously not confirmed yet, and who knows, maybe by the time this comes out it will be confirmed, but that's a lot of playoff games and a lot of teams making it into the postseason. Playoffs? I think it's it's too many games. It's just, you know, trying to make money for home games for the gate. It devalues the regular season when more teams get in than probably deserve. Obviously, if you have a best of three, it, it does do more excitement for those two teams playing in each round. But the season's already as long as it is. And then you're going to add on extra playoff games. It's really just about making revenue and making more money for MLS teams and MLS owners. So... Well, I do think maybe there should be some tweaking to the playoff schedule. I definitely don't think this is it. I think it's gone too far. And perhaps it's a bit dumb. Yes. I mean, an issue I've got with it, Zach, is let's say it's Whitecaps Seattle in, in the playoff, just to pick two teams. Seattle win the first game. Second game's at BC Place. Whitecaps obviously need to make sure they avoid defeat the Sounders would be happy with a, a draw out of it as well. I would imagine that the games are going to go to like extra time and penalties as well to decide oh, it on the night. Why would you go to extra time? Just go right to penalties. The, actually, this is, that, actually, that probably stupid, will be what it is. It probably will go straight to penalties. This that dumb would go to that. Yeah, actually, that does make sense. But I mean, what's the onus on Seattle to attack in that second game? Play it a nil-nil draw, take the lottery of penalties. If you lose that, you've got another home game coming up. Yeah, I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, they've had some weird playoff format stuff in the past, but nothing on this scale. Best of three. That's the dump. Like, I'm sorry. But also, like, 62% of the teams can now make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that too. Like, that is ridiculous too. Um, I mean, if you're a team that doesn't make the playoffs. Well, yeah, that's it, Har. It's like if the Whitecaps can't get in with 62% of the teams making it, you'd have to feel the pressures on Vanny then. I think there's already pressure on him, but adding the the playoff teams and making it more expansive, it would really add pressure for those teams that don't make it. And I think it just devalues the regular season. You know what? What's the point of going and playing, you know, all those games and getting maybe a home field advantage? And you can go and lose two games quickly, and you're right up to the playoff race. It's just messed up. It's just you know they're trying to fix a problem that's not really there. I don't agree with that. Well, talking of Vanny, even Vanny doesn't know what the the playoff format's going to be yet. So I got a chance to ask him this week, in an ideal world, what would his perfect MLS playoff scenarios be? Here's what he had to tell me. We're a couple of weeks out from the start of the season. And we still don't know what the playoff format is going to look like. And I know you probably do know, but you can't say too much. 
the current format for the last two years seemed to work great. I loved it. I thought it was excellent. The article in The Athletic this week seems to indicate that under the new one, 62% of the teams are going to get in and it could be eight or nine teams that make the postseason. In an ideal world, what would be your perfect MLS playoff situation? Yeah. So I can tell you this. Uh, first of all, we I don't know the, the playoff format because we had a, uh, a meeting with the uh, league staff. Uh, they always come with the competition staff and the referee to have a meeting with each team. And I actually ask, so guys, what's happening with the playoff? And they still don't know. So uh, <clears throat> we'll see. From a sport uh, point of view, from a fan point of view, I I think that uh, 50% of the team should be the cut for the playoff. Like, uh, let's say, I don't know, 15, 14 teams like, uh, out of 29. Uh, what I would like to see as a sports fan, in my opinion, uh, I would love to see um, uh, not Western Conference playoff and Eastern Conference, Eastern Conference playoff, but uh, uh, cross cross playoff, like the number one at East play against the number eight at West, the number two at East play against the number seven at West uh, for two reasons. For the first, the first reason is uh, because in this way you can understand probably which conference is the best at the end of at the end of the year. And uh, the other reason is that uh, imagine having a big rivalry in the final. Imagine you have maybe you can have the MLS Cup final with the New York Derby or us playing Seattle and or Montreal playing Toronto. That would be something beautiful, in my opinion. Yeah, that would be fantastic. So some thoughts from Vanny there and feeling 50% max to make the playoffs. And, and Har, I like his idea of the East v West matchups with the potential you could have a, an all-Cascadian MLS Cup final, a New York derby, a Texan derby, just a real rivalry game in the final, which would really, really get the juices flowing. Yeah, that's an interesting idea from Coach Vanny. The one thing I wonder is what is the position of the owners in MLS? Because... All that flying across the country, someone's going to have to pay for those charter flights, and they're not cheap. Also, let's say you have a New York Derby or a Texas Derby. It, it really just has interest in one local area. You're not really grabbing interest from coast to coast, where if you have an Eastern team versus a Western team. So maybe ratings-wise, that would maybe not be a great idea. But I do think they should maybe find some change for the playoff format. Uh, I was wondering, what do you think, Zach? For Vanny's 50 max thing, like, yeah, I think even that feels high. Um, but no, I, I just, I don't, I don't get, I mean, sorry, I get why. Like you said earlier, Har, this is about money and about providing more money and providing, providing, um, or making it possible for every team that, every one of the 62% of the teams that make the playoffs get a home game, which is huge for their, you know, revenue and for their, you know, their fans and whatever. But, Don't forget Apple TV. Yeah, and then all of course, those extra yeah, games. Apple TV. It's just, it's so, it's just, yeah, it's too. They're not well one off. I, I, I think it would be hard for them to do the crossover, not because of the flight and money and stuff, more so because, um, I think what they're trying to do with these kinds of things, like best of three, and you know, having the conferences not hardly play each other anyways during the season, is to make it more North American, right? And so I can't see mm -hmm. them then saying, "Hey, we're gonna." 
we're going to spice it up by then, you know, allowing this to happen. Although Vanny does make a, a valid point in terms of, uh, you know, can you imagine, you know, the final being, yeah, you know, uh, an LA Derby, a Cascadia Derby, uh, you know, a Toronto, Montreal, you know, a Dead Bull versus Man City Light, you know, whatever. Um, there are all these, there are all these kind of intriguing things that could happen, right? Or you could be stuck with San Jose Whitecaps, and then everyone in the East is like, yeah, don't care about that. What dystopian future do you see? <laughs> is it like Michael or Baldissimo comes back to, to to get vengeance on his former team? Well, remember that joke I shared in the WhatsApp group about the genie giving wishes. I'll, I'll tell. I'll tell it down just now. Is so, it bad? Is it a bad joke? I can't remember. Stopped by genie the other day and said, "I'm going to grant you a oh, wish." No, yeah, this one. My wish was, um, I, I want to live forever, and she's like, ah, "I can't. I can't give you that wish." He's like, okay, I want to live until the Whitecaps win the MLS Cup. And the genie's like, oh, you crafty little bugger. It's a slightly different version of the joke. I've cleaned that up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. How are you shaking your head there? I sent the joke to her as well. Oh. Yeah, I did hear the joke. It was a little bit different, the one that I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Cleaned it up. We'll save all the cuss until part four. Anyway, that is it for this part. We're going to be back talking white caps after this. Hi, I'm Javian Braun, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Did you listen to my breath? Because there's something in the your love is all I need For your love is true indeed I've been looking, I've been looking down And I don't know what I'm thinking about You were standing right in front of me And it only took a moment to see I don't know which way to be I don't know if it's enough I don't know what you see in me But I know I'm not proud to give you up which way to be I don't know if it's enough I don't know what you see in me but I know I'm not about to give you up Did you listen to my breath cause there's something in the air and your love is Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part from Glasgow, Scotland, Bell and Sebastian, former Artist of the Month, a song from their new album, Late Developers, that came out in January. Getting back to their best, I, I said a few shows ago, their last album didn't grab me the way I hoped. This has been a pretty good one. It's maybe their more accessible album so far. A bit more poppy uh, as well, but a couple of real standout tracks on it. That was one of them. I don't know what you see in me. A nice tale of love. Continuing our love theme on the show. And we've got songs all about love peppered throughout the show. And let's talk about what we all love. Vancouver's Caps. Oh, 
Oh, I had some custard creams before you started recording, but you were late on, so I ate them, so I couldn't show them to you on the camera, so sorry. You remember I said I bought a double pack of custard creams, and I was going to yeah. give you half of them? Yeah. Yeah, well, sorry. You said they weren't very good, though, so that's No, okay. but they were biscuits, sir. <laughs> so, yeah, let's get into our Whitecaps chat for the show, and still... No announcement of signings at the time of this recording on Monday afternoon. And that is despite the fact that forward Sergio Cordova and goalkeeper Yohi Takuaka are actually down with the team in Palm Springs just now. And fans that have made the trip down there have been chatting away to them and giving me some little tidbits. Who traveled traveled down? I I don't want to to name the fans. That's been giving me these little tidbits. So one of the updates that I got from the the fans is that Takaoka, the Japanese goalkeeper, good news for for Asar, apparently speaks great English, so we can get those interviews all done with him. And he's said that he's excited about this new chapter in his career, and he's been very impressed by the pace and physicality that he's seen in the games down there from the, the MLS teams. Cordova was described as being quite quiet, a little bit shy and still looking from the outside in that he's still trying to fit in with his new teammates, which is understandable. I mean, hopefully we will get to maybe see them in this final pre-season game that is coming up if they ever get announced. You have to imagine how Van is speaking to media on Wednesday. They surely are going to be announced before then. Well, we thought last week we were still waiting for them to be signed officially. I asked Coach if the new players had met their new teammates, and it didn't sound like they had, but if they're mingling with fans, you know, they're definitely down there. They're definitely in the vicinity, so they need to get these medicals done. I don't know if the medicals are done. Uh, I believe they are. They should be, you know, it should be across the line. It should be finished. They should be training with their team by now. I don't think the visas are a holdup. No, I understand that be. Takeyoka, because he's Japanese, there are different rules with Japan and the U.S., and he is allowed in the country, and he can train while he waits to get the visa done, so... I don't think that's the problem. I don't think there's a problem there with Visa. And Cordova obviously played with RSL last year, so I don't see a Visa issue there. So I don't know what the holdup is. Uh, maybe they're trying to figure out what their bonuses are going to be or what number they're going to wear. I have no idea. I expect it to be done soon. I think it should be done by now. I liked Har's suggestion. That it's because they're having trouble selecting their kit number. Yes. I want number one, but you can't have number one. Could you, could you imagine if it's Visa issues, though? I, 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 let's not start those rumors. I do not I don't see think it any. Is. No. I don't think it is. Cordova's played. It's all going to be fine. We're yeah. still waiting for Nagando's visa. I think he's still in Paris. I don't know what's Yeah, yeah I think he is. But preseason has continued apace down in Palm Springs. Three more games played. Just one to go now before the real business gets underway in the 25th. The, the Caps still unbeaten down in California, which is a yeah. good sign since they play a, a lot of games in California over the season. Wednesday saw a 3-0 win over Toronto FC. All the goals came in a 10-minute spell in the second half. Christian Dahomey got a brace, one of them from the spot. Javain Brown scored with a header off a rebound. A Louis Martins free kick crashed off the post. Fairly even first half. Two very strong lineups in the first half. Isaac Bomer saved a Federico Bernardeschi penalty with five minutes of the half remaining. And apparently that's only the second penalty that he has missed. I don't know if it's in his whole career or of late, but that's a an impressive thing. It was a good save as well. The Italian also saw a shot cleared off the line by Tristan Blackman. 
TFC did make a full lineup change at half time. And the Cats yeah. were too strong for them in the second half. Sunday, there was two back to back games, and the first up was the Harjit Jahal Derby. As the White Caps took on Jake Nerwinski's St. Louis. Didn't seem like a classic. 0 0. White Betcher Gold led the line in that one for the White Caps. I've had good feedback on Simon Betcher from the fans down there, mm. saying that he's running the channels well, good hold up play, strong, good at getting the outside flanks involved into the game. Those that didn't play in that game played in the game against Las Vegas Lights, the USL Championship side, right after it. Now, that was their first pre-season game, so maybe can't take too much from that. But it was a 2-1 win. Pedro Viti scored in the first half. And then Dahomey, with his fourth goal so far down in Palm Springs and on the pre-season trip, hit the winner with 13 minutes to go. Looking positive, Har. Yeah, some good play in the preseason, although it doesn't actually count in the real standings and the real stats. So see oh, what they do against RSL. It's make-believe games. It's just practice. We're talking about practice games. It's good to get their legs underneath them to get fitness ahead of the season. But it doesn't actually really count. You probably already know what the lineup's going to be with, unless they get the new players incorporated rather quickly. Uh, a great showing from Christian Dahomey, so I think that's great. I would be interested to see how... Uh, Tom Vassal does if mm. he starts that home opener if Takeo is not ready. So uh, I'm curious to see how he would do against uh, a top studded lineup when they're in there for the full 90. So this game against Minnesota is going to be a real big test, but uh, it doesn't actually count, remember. Yeah, the home is doing great from that wing back position in this preseason. Oh, wait, oh, wait. Oh, no, he's not, he's playing up front. All oh, right, okay. Uh, that's That's good. No, it, it's good to see him coming on. I I, I asked Ivani Sartini just about Dahl's form after the, the game against TFC. Here's what he had to say about that. So what did you, you make of the, the game today? Christian Dahomey seemed to certainly have a, a very good set in 45 minutes. Well, you know, uh, it was a really good I would say the entire game, the first half, uh, they had more possession, but we defended very well. We didn't concede anything except for the penalty, that it was like maybe a 50-50. We were a little bit uh, naive in, considered, in conceding that penalty, but then Isaac made the great save. And we actually had uh, two, three chances in counter-attack to try to, 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 to score the goal. Then in the second half, uh, uh, you know, they, they changed the entire team and uh, they play with their, like, second 11. And uh, we had more, I would say, uh, the uh, possession of the ball. And uh, to be honest, uh, uh, Dajo has been uh, probably the best offensive player so far. And uh, it's not uh, by chance that he scored the two goals. I was going to ask you about Daho. We spoke a lot about him last year. Small sample size, and obviously we're only getting little snippets up here. But from what we've seen, it looks like the Christian Dahomey from two seasons ago and the Dahomey that we hoped was going to kind of push on and, and be that offensive player. He looks like he's playing with that confidence and that bit of swagger again. Yeah, yeah, and most of uh, important, like uh, he's in a very good physical condition. Last year he came preseason not 100%. This year he came very well, and he 
he can exploit his characteristics, his speed, his power in the first 10, 20 meters, and uh, and he's playing well. He played basically in both the position as a number nine or, or as a one of the two tens, and he's, he's actually doing very well. Vanny, just with a little bit of words there on Christian Dahomey, but I mean, the, the concern is maybe that the goals aren't free-flowing right now, but defensively they look a, a, a lot better. And they'll get that chemistry going, hopefully the goals will come, get Cordova in there to, to finish the chances. I, I do think Hassal will probably start that opener hard, and then it's going to be an interesting battle be, between those two. There is that one game to go this coming Saturday with Minnesota, and you kind of have to feel, although Vanny keeps telling us that he's got anywhere from 16 to 22 as a starting 11, the number keeps changing, but he, you have to feel that most of the guys, I think, that start that Minnesota game, we could see start that RSL game. Yeah, who else is he going to put out there? they got two new players, two center backs. They don't have Cordova incorporated, and they don't have the new goalie incorporated. Of course, it's going to be Gold, Gressel, Brian Wright, Laborda, Blackman, Rankle. That's what we saw. That's what it's going to be. End yeah, I, I, I agree I agree with Har that, yeah, you would think that it would be wise to um, plan your starting 11 uh, for the, the, the season slash home opener and make that who you're going to start with in Minnesota for the sake of, yeah, chemistry and um, match fitness and all that kind of stuff. And so I'd be surprised if there's very many changes, even if the two players do get, uh, you know, come across the line before the 25th. I think they'll both be substitutes that day and they'll be integrated. Oh, well, the striker will be off the bench for that that game, you would imagine. And then uh, the Japanese keeper, you know, possibly even, you know, the week after, depending on the coach's uh, observations and training and whatnot. Yeah, going to be an interesting battle for a few of the positions. One of the other guys, of course, that has stood out this preseason has been Ryan Raposo. We featured him on the show last week. Let's have one of our little fun segments just now and let's see what is catching Ryan Raposo's eye on television these days. Here's TVOD. 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 TV shows, Ryan. What What's your kind of... TV shows a choice. What do you like to binge? Is there any shows that you go back and just watch over and over? Um, my favorite show of all time that I've watched maybe six times over is the Peaky Blinders. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, the Peaky Blinders is for sure. My I could watch that show like every day and not get sick of it. I just love, you know, the show and Thomas Shelby. You know, he's a beast. <laughs> What what you most watching just now? Then aside from that, like what what's the current shows that really interest you? There is. Let me. You know what? I like a lot of those real estate shows. Oh oh, is this the future? Is this what you're going to get into when you finish playing? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but the one show it's called like Lux Listings. You know those type of real estate shows where it shows like those nice homes and and that sort of thing and people bidding for it. And it's just yeah, it's awesome. Cool. That's great. TVOD. I don't need a TV screen. I just stick the aerial into my skin and 
let the signal run through my veins. TVOD. Ryan Raposo there talking television, what he's enjoying watching. We've we've talked a little bit about this in the show, but let's see from her. What shows are you currently watching? What's doing it for you right now? There is a show that I like to watch. It starts in September, and it just ended yesterday called The NFL. So I'm looking for new shows to watch. (laughs) you have any suggestions, holler at me. I was just going to say my favorite show is Bundesliga, Bundesliga (laughs) Weekly, Bundesliga Special. Bundesliga highlight show. Those are my those are my four favorites. I do love to watch Coronation Street. So oh, oh yes. I'm big I into Corey. Hey, and I hey. discovered a Coronation Street podcast, and the hosts' name are Michael and Gemma. Oh, oh I, I th- it's, it's not me and Gemma. Did I see that they're uh, rebooting uh, Faulty Towers? Yes. And John Cleese is going to be in it. He's going to be in it with his daughter, and it's going to be set in the Caribbean. Oh wow! So it's know. it's going to be an interesting one i'm still really enjoying the last of us it's oh, there's been I, I haven't watched it oh, yet. episode three and the one that's just showed episode five two absolutely amazing bits of television if no one's seen those yet watch the show it's fantastic i've also been playing the video game as well and absolutely loving it final bit of white cats news this week was something we've known about for a, a little bit but Obviously, I had to wait for the official announcement. And that is Ricardo Clark has taken over as head coach of WFC2, with Nick Dazovich moving on to Whitecaps BMO Academy, high potential player head coach. I think that was the role that Gordon Forrest had here at one point as well. It's like the integrating of the academy guys into the first team setup and, and stuff like that. Ricardo Clark's been assistant with the Whitecaps for 2021-2022 seasons. Obviously, everyone knows the what he did as a player in MLS and coaching-wise, he's taken the Dynamo's Under-19 Academy team before and Under-16 team. He's been an assistant coach with the US U-20s and he's currently completing his United States Soccer Federation Pro license and with part of that, you need to really be more hands-on with a team hire. So, a great move for him, obviously with Flo moving into the assistant role in the, the MLS squad. I'm looking forward to seeing what Ricardo can, can do with this young group of players. A new voice as well. Yeah, I think it's a, a really great move. It's a great addition. Uh, Zaxwell was telling me uh, a few weeks ago they really wanted to keep Rico with the Whitecaps and he, he wanted to get his FIFA license. So in order to do that, he would have to coach. And they didn't want him to leave and you know go elsewhere and develop. So... They moved him to FC2, and he has this opportunity to see what he can do as a coach. And obviously, you have Flo moving into the first-team staff. You have Michael D'Angstino and Yusuf Daha with Vanny. So a little bit of shuffling in the coaching ranks. So we'll see how it impacts uh, the team, uh, the first team, and FC2. So, yeah, some uh, very positive moves off the pitch for the club. A little, a little bit surprised by it because I, th- I thought he was uh, like a, a solid addition to the first-team coaching staff, but – uh, for him, hopefully, this gives him an opportunity to like run his own team and and develop and grow as a coach. And um, yeah, we'll see what the what the future holds for him. My big concern is we've talked before that the MLS team has maybe a lack of experience, and Ricardo Clark doesn't have a wealth of experience, but at least he had two seasons under his belt, and now you've taken that away to replace it with a guy that's not had a, any uh, as a coach. So. 
that would be the only thing. I'd still like them to maybe bring an older head into the yeah. the first team coaching, but well, well, his experience, all the best. His experience went beyond his coaching, right? It was the fact that he knew the league so well too, right? Yeah. That was super helpful. But having a guy as well that's been there and done it in, in MLS, a 17-year playing career, he won two MLS Cups. He's been a an all-star three times, played in, in Europe and with Eintracht Frankfurt in Germany and Stebeck in, in Norway and... 34 appearances for the U.S. national team as well, including playing at a World Cup. Having a guy like that in charge of this young group of players as well at WFC2 should be a big boon for them, bringing new ideas, maybe raising this team to, to another level. But that is it for the Whitecaps chat for just now. We're going to be back with some more love chat after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part and continuing our theme of Songs of Love, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of February, Television Personalities, the London post-punk band, and that is a song taken from their second album that came out in 1982. The album is Mummy. You're not watching me, and the song is If I Could Write Poetry. And we kicked the show off with a, a poem about the game of football, written by the Chat GPT AI app. So I got a bit carried away, as I mentioned, with that app and, and doing this. I got three poems written for our East Five podcast, Glory Days of Gold. Make sure you check that out and wherever you get your podcast. And also, we've had a special live video up on the Glory Days of Gold YouTube channel to celebrate our 100th episode of that show. But a, a few poems in that. We've had the the poem to kick off the show that the chat GPT wrote about the game of football. So I thought, can they come up with a love poem for Vancouver Whitecaps? And oh yes, they certainly did. So I'm going to read that for you just now. And again, none of this written by me all done by artificial intelligence. Here's what they came up with. Oh, Vancouver Whitecaps, 
our heart's true desire. Your spirit, your passion, sets our soul on fire. With every game, you bring excitement and cheer, and fill us with joy from year to year. That's perhaps stretching it a little bit. <laughs> your blue and white jerseys, so bold and bright, a symbol of hope and a symbol of light. Every time you take the pitch, we feel so alive, for your love of the game is impossible to deny. Your players so skilled, with hearts full of pride, their effort and determination, they never hide. With every goal they score, our heart soars with glee, for we know that with the white caps, there's no limit to what we can be. Again, a little stretch there. <laughs> so here's to you, Vancouver Whitecaps. Our love for you will never die. For in our heart, you'll always be the team that makes us soar high. And we'll always support and cheer you on through thick and thin. For you're our heart's team and our love for you will always win. Ah. Oh. I mean, just lovely stuff there. It would bring a tear to a man with a glass eye. Does it get the love going for you for the team, for the season to come, for football in general? We love football. You love football. And you just have to watch Whitecaps head coach Vanny Sartini on the sidelines to know his love of the game. Last year, we spoke to Theo Bear, David Egbo, Florian Youngworth and to St Ricketts about their love of the game. This year, we're going all the way to the top. Whitecaps head coach Vanni Sartini talking about his love of the game, past and present. It must be love, love, love. So our next show's coming out on Valentine's Day. So, but obviously yourself, Italian, one of the languages of love. I'm sure you feel the language of love more, more than French. But you've, you're a passionate man. You've got a love of the game. Where did your love of football come from? Uh, you, you, you use the, the right word. Is the fact that uh, uh, love is the right word for football and also the right word for coaching. I think at the basing of being a coach, it needs to be a love, love for the game and love for the person that you are, that are around you. Specifically about the love of the game for me comes from two persons, my dad and my uncle. Uh, and I would say a third, I would say other two person and another uncle and, and my grandfather, because I grew up uh, watching my dad and my uncle play. They were playing the semi-professional league in, in Italy. And I was always going with my grandpa and another uncle to see them. So uh, getting emotional because when I think about my grandpa, I always getting emotional and uh but everything that I'm, because it would be so fantastic for him to see me now being a professional coach. But, uh, and I have to say the love for the game is the love that I have for these uh, four men that uh, shaped uh, uh, my deep, deep, deep affection for this uh, fantastic game. I, I totally get that because I grew up, my dad wasn't around. So my granddad, he was the one that took me to, to football. And it was our local non-league team that he took me to. And I, I, I can still smell like the liniment and I can still picture everything. And it's those things that, that kind of stick with you. <laughs> Fast forward into current times. What is it about the game now 
that that you love? What what is it that you just love about being involved in in this sport? Uh, I love a lot of things about the game. I love uh, when I see the fact that uh, in my team there's uh, uh, people from different nationality, different background, and they are together. And uh, when uh, people that becomes best friends, that it wouldn't ever happen if not like. Tristan Blackman and Ranko Veselinovic, one guy is from Novi Sad, one guy is from Las Vegas, and they become best friends. It's something that only football can can really can really bring uh, bring together. So I, I really love this. And the other thing that I love is the the fact that uh, it's it's really something that can make happy a lot of people. Like if you think about the beautiful nights of last year when we won the final, when we went to the playoff, the fact that can bring a togetherness for. 25,000 people at the same time, that is something that it really, 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 really makes me love this game, even if sometimes you are pissed about everything that is around, like, uh, I don't know, the the human rights uh, uh, not being respected when you go to the World Cup uh, in Qatar, or the huge amount of money and the cheating of money that you see even at the top level, you've seen in Italy and you see, you see in Italy, you see in England, but then when you see the game itself and how the game can really emo- create emotion for people. That's the thing that makes me love the game. Uh, you're away, obviously, from your family uh, for Valentine's Day. But as an Italian, we, we, th- we think of Italians in love. What's, what's your tips for people at home, for their partners? H- how can I woo my wife? What would be your, your tips? I think the most important thing is doing a small thing that you normally don't do. And uh, that can be everything because something that comes from your heart, even from, I don't know, it it doesn't have to be uh, a big gesture. Uh, Love is about a lot of things, but uh, especially when we're talking about the marriage, love is about consistency. And I'm so happy that uh, I've been consistent to love my wife for 20 years. And uh, I hope that it's going to... On, the, on her side, because on my side is okay. On her side, is going to continue for the next 20 or 30. 20 for me as well. And if I'm doing small things for her, I guess I should maybe start doing the housework. Thank you so much, Vanny. Take care. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. It must be love, love, love. Lovely stuff there from Vanny Sartini, just talking about what got him loving the game of football why he still loves it. And you just have to watch Vanny on the sidelines. You see the passion that he's got. Great guy to have at the club. Great guy to just be involved with all these young players. As always, share your love of the game as well. What got you interested in soccer? Especially if you maybe grew up in a kind of family or an environment where soccer wasn't a a big part of people's lives. What got you loving the game? And what is it about the game today that you just love watching? We touched on this a little bit last year. For me, it's just... Football has everything. It's got the drama. It's just got the emotional roller coaster. You just don't know what's going to happen next. And if you really feel that you're part of the club that you follow and that you support, it's just a, a love that you will take with you to your dying days and hope that they can just give you something to cheer about. Do you know what else we love here at AFTN? The Canadian Championship. Yes, that's right, we're going to talk a little bit about the Voyager's Cup in this part. 
We touched on it when the draw was made, but we'll delve into it a little bit more this week because all the dates have been announced for the six first round ties and some cracking games await us this year. I'll run through how the schedule's going to play out. So it all kicks off on Tuesday, April the 18th, Forge FC hosting FC Laval at Tim Hortons Field. That's a 7pm kickoff local time, 4pm Pacific. Sadly, at the same time, because I, I really wish all the games were staggered so you could watch them all individually, but CF Montreal hosting Vaughan at Stade Saputo. That's the two games on Tuesday the 18th. Three games the following day, and these ones are all staggered at least. Two of them taking place at York Lions Stadium, because Halifax Wanderers were drawn out at home, but they're not able to host the game in Halifax. So their game against Atletico Ottawa has to get played on neutral grounds. York's Lions Stadium is the place it's chosen to be. So that kicks off 5 o'clock local time, 2pm Pacific time on Wednesday the 19th. And it's a double header at the stadium that day because three hours later, York United are hosting Vancouver FC in Vancouver FC's first ever Canadian Championship matchup. And if we're talking about first ever matchups, the game that we're really looking forward to here at AFTN, genuinely counting down the days and cannot wait, TSS Rovers hosting Valor FC at Swan Guard. It's been announced for Wednesday, 19th of April. Kick off 7.30pm Pacific time. We'll touch on that in a sec, but let's just pack the stadium out for that one. Pacific FC, Cavalry FC, the final of the first round games. That's taking place on Thursday, April 20th. Kicking off at Starlight Stadium at 7 o'clock. Should be six absolutely cracking first round matchups. We'll chat a little bit about that in a sec. But first of all, I want to play a little bit of audio from Whitecaps head coach Vanni Sartini. Just chatting about the draw for this year's Canadian Championship. The chance for the Caps to defend their title. And that possibility of a first ever Vancouver Derby. The draw was made for the Canadian Championship. And for the second straight year, the the club's got a chance to get to the final, avoiding MLS opposition. We saw last year that doesn't necessarily mean it's an easy ride for you. But, I mean, what what did you make of the draw and your your path to potentially going back-to-back in the tournament? Uh, Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, we have this chance to... Uh, to have this possibility not having MLS opponents. But at the same time, uh, we have uh, a lot of uh, chances to play away against CPL teams. So I know the only thing is like uh, if Vancouver FC beat York, actually we'll play a BC place. But if York wins and then the semifinal in any case, if we win, uh, it will be away and playing away against a CPL team, are it's hard. Uh, even last year, you saw us. Uh, uh, you know, in Cal in Calgary, it was really hard to win on penalty. But uh, I remember Toronto uh, winning in Halifax in last minute. Uh, uh, so it's like uh, uh, it's not going to be easy for sure. But again, it's a it's a competition where, thanks to the fact that we did very well in the competition last year. We have to play also one game less instead of winning four games. Three games to win three games is enough to 
to to win a competition and to win two games would be enough to have another final BC place. So that's I think would has to be our big incentive when we'll play when we'll start to play the Canadian Cup. And obviously I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because that first game between York and Vancouver, who knows how that would go. But it does set up a chance for the first ever Vancouver Derby. Now, we're from Europe. We're used to to Derby's being a lot closer than maybe what the Derby's are in in MLS and in Canada. What would that mean to you to be part of a Derby against another team from the same city? Uh, Yeah, it it would be electrifying for sure. And, uh, you know, Maybe it's happening this year. Maybe it's happening in the future. It will happen for sure. And uh, I genuinely uh, wish the new Vancouver team every success because uh, if they do a successful product and it becomes uh, uh, one of the leading franchise in the CPL and uh, it can uh, really, I would say, help the movement in uh, in Vancouver and NBC and also create some sort of rivalry, uh, uh, again, uh, we don't want us go further, but in case we win, maybe there's a chance to play Pacific again. There's another derby, and uh, you know, last time we lost, so that's uh, uh, I, I like when there's also local rivalries, not not only uh, national rivalries. So, Vanny, they are just chatting about the possibility of this first ever Vancouver Derby that we could see in the quarterfinals of this year's Canadian Championship. And it's another great chance for the Whitecaps, Zach, this year to make it back-to-back wins for the first time in their history with no opposition faced until, at the earliest, the final. And even then, that's not guaranteed because Toronto and Montreal look like they could meet in the quarterfinals and I mean who knows there could be another few shocks uh, along the way there in in the semis you said but, you said no opposition I think you meant to say no MLS opposition oh no MLS opposition they will have some opposition yes but I mean it's a great chance for the Caps to go back to back here yeah I think uh yeah looking at the possibility I think they'll be very excited in the same way like their fans will be very excited uh, in the same way that they were last year for sure it is a uh, an opportunity. I think Vanny also, I think he said it a little bit about how important this is and they'll see this as uh, a way that they can continue uh, to grow a winning culture at the club, um, add the, add that significant trophy to their cabinet and can, and keep um, qualifying for the champions league. And mm. which comes, which comes with, you know, gam, you know, for yeah. them in, in their league. And so that's really, really, really helpful. I mean, obviously, with the the whole TSS Rover side of things, and I I love cup shocks, and I've been trying to sell this game to people by saying if you've enjoyed watching Wrexham in the FA Cup, then oh yeah, here's an example. And I was using Darvel in Scotland as the example because they'd knocked Aberdeen out. They're sixth tier in Scotland. That may not have been the best example because they played their next round of the Scottish Cup today and got gubbed five one by Falkirk, but. You get these cup sets anyway, and Vancouver FC, of course, hoping to make 
their first ever win and set up that Vancouver derby. I mean, it is going to be tough for Vancouver FC going to York. We don't know what all the finalised rosters are yet, but that's, that is the worst possible draw that they could have got, really. Uh, except for the fact that they do play there in the league, like, right after. So, I think they'll, oh, yeah, go, I guess. they'll play the or, cup, or, they'll play the league. Yeah. And have you heard... I, I forgot, I haven't talked to you about this. I don't think we've talked about this. Uh, so, uh, I've heard counter-reports re- that the May 9th game, should Vancouver FC win against York, that they'll... Uh, that the game actually will be in Langley and not a BC place. That is not what the Whitecaps have said. But also, my understanding from speaking to Colin Elms is you had to commit to be able to host every round. And if you. And, that, and, that, and that's where the discrepancy, I think, lies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is also the issue that Atletico Ottawa our host, are our potentially holding. facing yeah. as well. Yeah. Because they're saying, oh, we, we can host from the quarterfinals onwards. Yeah. So, I mean. Again, Canada sounds like Soccer it sounds like back down on that and say, well, no, it sounds yeah. like it sounds like there's been some miscommunication there because I know from what the people at Vancouver FC have told me is that they told the CSA, yeah, because our stadium won't, uh, might not be in maybe ready, we can't host the first round, but we we would definitely love to host after that. So, well, Colin's understanding was everyone was told you have to commit to host everything or nothing. Nothing. Now, I, I'm still off the opinion that the lower seed should always host anyway, so I, I'd love oh, yeah. it to be at Langley. And you'll have a way better atmosphere than a BC place as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it would be fantastic. I mean, just to finish this part, while we're on the subject of Vancouver FC, a couple of big stories this past week surrounding them that we, we really should mention. Common sense prevailing as the CPL moved the first ever match yeah. for the yeah. team and the first ever BC derby in the CPL to from the Friday night to 4pm on the Saturday, April the 15th at Starlight Stadium in Langford. Fans can now travel without having to make it an overnight trip yeah. and all the expense that goes with that. Yeah, so the the, CP, the CPL bigwigs who are, there's a significant CFL influence who thought you know, it would be a great idea to have a Friday night game were finally uh, clued into the fact that that's uh, counterproductive. So, yeah, it's good yeah. to see that. And there's uh, a ferry involved. Like, have a Friday night game that's York and, and Forge. Oh, yeah, totally. Fantastic. The ideal Friday night game to kick your league off. Totally. And Ontario Derby, fans can just travel between the two with relative ease. <laughs> there's a bit of traffic, but yeah. Yes, at that time of night. But yeah, I mean, that's common sense. I mean, I think... Everyone's hoping, stroke expecting that there'll be buses going over, official buses, and you can definitely do it in a day now instead of staying overnight. I can't wait, looking forward to it. I, I'd have had to take a day off work on the Friday, overnight hotel, and then come back, all the expense with that. So, I mean, this is fantastic. The other big story, of course, the stadium renderings have finally been unveiled. It's not ideal. It's not maybe what we first saw some renderings of many moons ago now it feels that's the negatives on the plus side it looks a nice intimate venue fans close to the pitch they just have to make sure they've got sunscreen on or bring umbrellas because there isn't a roof and the club just have to make sure that they can fill it now yeah i'll save my comments on the the things that are aside from the rain and the sun that are not ideal about the stadium for a little bit further down the road, maybe because there are there are some frustrating shortcomings to it all, um, and and there's not solutions for 
for uh, for at least some elements of it. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I think it's tragic that the you know that the municipality wants the this to happen like this, and that the the owners can't do anything to you know uh, make make it otherwise. You know, to, for, to start with the roof. Yeah. But yeah, there but is. I mean, there, there, there is possible phase two expansion. We should also totally. see as well. Yeah, yeah totally. So I guess the hope, my hope is that, yeah, things will go so well there that there will be a great desire to see expansion to the facility, including a roof happen. So, um, I mean, yeah. as, as someone that has, I, I mean, I've got, I've gone on a lot about the rain because like genuinely, if you've got a young family, for example, you're not wanting to take a pair of kids, say four, six year old to sit in the rain for two hours. And I know folk can then say, well, the Whitecaps sold out Empire when it was rainy and all that kind of stuff. And there might not be tons of rain in the summer, but you're starting off. In May, April, June or can May, get yeah. a, a lot of rain. September, October can as well. Obviously, last year was quite freaky in that regard. But the sun aspect, as somebody that was only here two years and got skin cancer, which I got cut out, all clear, nothing to worry about in that regard, that is something that would concern me i mean i'm hoping obviously the press box has at least some kind of covering because you don't want your laptops and equipment soaked either so i'd imagine that there is some covering for that but for the general fans it's how sunburn and heat stroke and things could be a real possibility as well now, yeah they, they, they mention be... red hot metal bleachers potentially they, if they, they could be issues here's the thing though i think whatever the weather whatever the the downsides of the weather is it's ultimately the atmosphere at the stadium and what those match days mean are what you make out of them. Mm -hmm. And so my desire is to make them as meaningful and as enjoyable as possible. Continuing the love, because we know that Zach has a lot of love for Vancouver FC. We still hope to have Rob Friend on the show. That's <laughs> hit a slight speed bump, let's just well, say, because he's got a few just, things yeah. to sort out at the moment I, yeah, before he I wants think to some... talk to us. I think some of the delays of, of some of this stuff has yeah kept him from... Yeah. I, I think he knows what I was more. going to ask him about, and he's like, let's just wait until some and, things are sorted before we... Yeah, and actually while we're recording, Michael, I know you haven't seen it, but while we're recording, they've put out uh, just some final details on... Not final details, some information about ticketing. Oh. So, yeah, so by the time... Within a, within less than 90 minutes of us finishing this is the deadline to get your deposit in. So if you're listening to this and you haven't got your deposit in, you can't you you won't be able to get in on the pre uh you know the the the, the pre sale ah. until things go on to the sale to general public. But um also uh, those who have put their deposits in uh later tonight will be receiving an email, I think, with the uh seating chart map uh and uh price guide, I believe. So fantastic. Yeah. And then I think phone calls happen starting this week for 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 people on the on the on that list, and uh, uh, yeah, they can start getting their season tickets. Yeah, hope to head out to some training out in Langley this week. I'll get some photos taken of the work of the stadium, see the team in action as well. That's it for our positive chats about Canadian soccer. <laughs> now we're going to move on to what has not been a good few days for Canadian soccer after this. Hi, I'm Stephanie LeVay, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, Griebel Band. Pop will eat itself with their song from their 1987 debut album Box Frenzy. Oh, there is no love between us anymore. And it certainly feels that there's not a lot of love between the Canadian national team players and Canada soccer right now. Yes, we've saved the biggest and most talk-about story and bombshell story to the last part. Because we wanted to keep you all listening. That's the main reason. Also, there doesn't seem a lot of love from fans and media towards Canada soccer right now either. And I think it takes a lot to unite the soccer community from coast to coast here in Canada. But well done, Canada soccer. You've done that. I never thought I'd utter that phrase on the show, but, I mean, there we go. Now, this show's going to get marked explicit anyway because of some other stuff that's in it. So I think the only thing I can say is what a fucking farce and what a fucking embarrassment the past few days have been in Canadian soccer. Um, The powers that be in the ivory towers of the game in this country should hang their heads in shame for letting it even get to this stage. Now, Harvey touched on that you're you're heading down to the tournament tonight after recording this show. Canada's set to play at the She Believes Cup against the US on Thursday, Brazil on Sunday, and Japan on Wednesday. We'll get into all the things that's happened in the last few days, but I mean, you're flying down there just now. You don't really know what you're even flying into. Yeah, we don't know, you know, what kind of game we're going to get, who's going to play, how they're going to perform. What the U.S. are going to do? Are they going to do a counter protest? Are they going? Is anyone going to wear their jerseys, their kits inside out? You know, is there going to be any moment of silence? Are they going to cover up any logos? And yeah, we're just trying to see what the next big news thing is, or what the next big statement is, or where this goes from here. You know, they've over the weekend the Canada Soccer Association and the Players Association, well, they put out different statements. You know, they were threatened with a lawsuit and. They don't have the money to be able to go to court. You know, they're not making millions of dollars. You know, there's not a Christine Sinclair or a Becky that's got endorsements. You know, there's a lot of younger players that are just getting their first caps in. So they can't afford legal costs and all that goes okay. on behind okay. the scenes. But, but that's not that's not a, like that's not a legitimate concern. Like, I mean, no, I'm saying that's why they had to, you know, stop their. I mean, it, it is a legitimate concern, Zach. If someone was threatening no, to sue no, no, you and okay. you don't know if you're going to win the case, you can't take that risk. No, no okay, yeah. But, like, sorry, what, what I meant to say is that when you have labor issues, there's ways that they're handled and there's a way that you go about them. And this is, this is what happens in labor disputes. I'm not, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying I'm – yeah, the CSA is doing a great job. I'm not He's saying that. He's getting paid by the CSA, Har. He loves the CSA. But this is – yeah. But this is this is how these things play out. So to say, like, oh, you know, I feel bad for them because of the you know, the legal system and whatever. Like, no, this is this is what happens in these kinds of situations. They wanted they wanted to be unionized, which I'm all for. But this is, and then they're facing the issues that come with that. But that that like this is playing out the way these things play out for teachers and for you know the 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 guys at the at the docks and like what you know the uh, I'm forgetting what they're called the longshoremen you know like this is what happens with unions right like this is how these things work um yeah I, I, yeah so yeah I don't know well if you've been living under a rock you might have missed some of this we'll do a very brief recap and I'm saying a brief recap 
primarily because there's been so many statements issued from Friday to today, even just before we started recording this, statements came out. I've had more emails with statements in the last couple of days than I've had Nigerian princes offering me some money to smuggle it out of the country for them. That's how bad it's been. So the, the Canadian Women's National Team issued a statement on Friday where they, they basically said that they were outraged and deeply concerned with the news of significant cuts to the national team programmes for 2023. They understand that the men's team shared their frustrations and concerns and they'll issue their own statement as well, which we'll come to now. I'm not going to read all these statements out because they're all very, very long. But in short, the women said they've been patiently negotiating with Canada Soccer for more than a year. Nothing has still been done. And the new budget reality has kind of hit home that they'd had to cut not only training camp days, but full camp windows. They cut the number of players and staff invited into camps, significantly limiting the already limited youth team's activities, all while they faced immense uncertainty about their own compensation. They said, we are tired, tired of constantly having to fight for fair and equal treatment, and for a programme that will give us a chance to achieve what we know this team is capable of for Canada. They basically said that they were going on strike and they weren't going to train, they weren't going to play in this She Believes tournament. Sink and Janine Becky went on TSN. If you haven't seen that half-hour interview, it's fantastic. And, I mean, we knew things were bad, Har, and you're obviously way more clued in on this than us and a lot of other people. But... Just from the opening minutes of that conversation on TSN, you find out about the poor quality accommodation that they're being put up in, that the staff has been cut, that the number of players they could have in the camp were limited. Youth camps are only allowed to have one camp per year now. And that after the World Cup, the women's programme is going to shut down. And travel-wise, that players have been out of pocket that those travelling in from Europe could travel business class, those within America and Canada had to travel economy. They were told they had economy plus tickets, which then turned out not to really be the case, and players had to pay for that themselves out of their own pocket. I mean, when all this came out, were you surprised? At the timing of it, were you surprised that they basically said, right, we're going on strike here? I think I was more surprised by the timing, not really not really what was in the statement and what they were saying. You know, they another thing they mentioned is they haven't been paid for 2022. Yeah. They played 17 games. Where is their money? Where's their compensation? And another thing is that they're not getting a home game, at least that's not scheduled for April. How do you go off to the World Cup, have a send-off game, and then you don't showcase your women's national team Olympic champions? So there's just a, a plethora of things that are being cut budget-wise, and the women's team is saying, you know, this is not what the men faced leading up to their World Cup. And they want to be treated equally and have the same opportunity and funding that the men's team had. So I think they have a strong point, but how do they get that across and get to where they want to be? That's the challenging part. That's where we're at right now. What do you think, Zach? Did the men's team have a, a home send-off? See, I wasn't there, so I, didn't, I don't the, remember. <laughs> the, the thing is as well, though, I've seen a few folks say this, home games in Canada apparently lose Canada soccer money because they're going to have to pay for the opposition you to still come have over. To play and, yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they are there to basically provide games and opportunities for Canadian players. That is why Canada soccer exists, to regulate the game and spread the game and grow the game. 
So if was, you invite a team over to play them, you have to pay for their travel costs. Yeah. You have to pay for their accommodations. I don't know that a lot of people may know that. So just speaking of that, I, have, I haven't heard, uh, I think I've heard a couple people ask this question, but I don't think I've heard it answered. Uh, do, do these budget cuts, other than the fact that it's a year where they're expected to make less revenue, uh, are these impacted by what happened with uh, the Iranian friendly in, in Vancouver? Could be, that could be a factor. That could be a possibility. We don't really know the full story. Because wasn't Iran supposedly threatening or maybe it was... Oh, really yeah, they threatening were threatening a, to sue. Never million, heard any more about that. A $10 we? million yeah. dollar lawsuit, right? Essentially is what they were... Was the rumor? But they, they did... The, the women's players put out some notes on expenses that, that basically showed the revenue. And I, I've got Sink's tweet up here that has that in. The, the revenue increased... The excess of revenue over expenses. In 2020... They made a profit basically of 180,000 and they made a profit in 2021 of 5.3 million. So the question that everyone's asking is, where has this money gone? Well, the money's going somewhere. It's not going to the players. Mm. It's going to be interesting to see what their profit is for, for 2022. I mean, as you well, can imagine, Canada Soccer's response to the threat of going on strike was then, as we touched on, to threaten the women's players with legal action to sue I, I, them to recover costs, which could be potentially millions. Again, that's that's all because of how the how unions and labor stuff works. The, the CSA, I know it looks bad, and there's lots of problems in all in this whole thing. Where I think the CSA has done the women's the women's team wrong and done the men's team wrong, but to get upset for them to follow kind of standard practices in labor disputes to me is not one thing that you can hold against them right they they're saying look you're uh, you're unjustly striking under the under the how these things work and i don't understand this is not a language i speak it's not a world i live in but to get mad at them for doing that to me i know it makes them look bad but they're actually kind of following normal everyday procedure that would happen in any other scenario no shady to me yeah see this is where it comes in it's like are these players Technically, they are, yes, employees of Canada Soccer, but their main employers are the clubs that they play for. And they are being called up by the national team who are not their main employers. See, I think they're struggling with the, the growing pains of, of unionizing, right? They wanted this, they, basically, they wanted to be recognized as a players association. And now that's the the downside of that is kind of being held against them. But I, th I think so, even if they weren't in a union and they said, well, we're not playing, they still have had the threat to sue. Like whether they've been, whether they've unionized or not, it's got nothing to do with it. They were going to sue them. If they, if they weren't in a union, if it was just a group of players that said, we're not playing, the reason Canada Soccer have threatened to sue them, and I, I do, th this is what I will say, I will understand why they threatened to sue them. Because Canada Soccer, and they, they kind of touched on this in their statement on Saturday, mm -hmm. said that under Ontario labour law, they, they can't go on strike. And then again, it's like you're saying, well, are they governed by Ontario law? Canada Soccer is based in Ontario, so in that regard, they are. But again, it's like, are these players contractors with Canada Soccer or are they employees of Canada Soccer? Yeah, which is, I mean, that's a, a fair thing to 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 get to the bottom of, to, uh, of Michael. But I think if they weren't in a, I think if they weren't in a union situation, and again, I'm not anti-union or anything, uh, I, but 
I don't think that the CSA, it's not like they would have said, okay, we're suing 22 different players. I don't think they would have done that. They would have either canceled cancel the thing or they would try and bring in other players who wanted to play. See, the problem they've got... In, in is theory, this, in theory. But <laughs> but this is why they've, they've threatened to, to sue them hard because if Canada didn't play in the She Believes Cup, oh, they lose yeah. the US yeah. soccer would yeah. sue the ass off them because they'd either have to bring in a second US national team to play the games, which to be fair, a lot of the fans that's attending probably wouldn't mind that and they'd have been quite happy with it. Well, that's why I said they had to, you know, come back off the protest because they can't afford to, you know, have all that. If they have a lawsuit, they can't afford to, you know, go to court and have, have to pay all these, all these finances. So that's why I said earlier that yeah. you know, that's a factor as well. And I think, you know, them not being paid for, for their work in 2022. I don't know how the CSA can explain that. They yeah, I, yeah I, agree, I, I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. This makes sense. The only thing I've heard, uh, Nick Montes gave an interview not that long ago, a week or two ago. And he, one thing he was talking about, and I'm sure he was trying to get some things out preemptively, um, but was that I think like they haven't, like they haven't received any of their, their, their men's world cup money yet. Like the, yes. like Canada soccer has not received that which is 2022 money, they haven't even gotten it yet. Yeah, but they know that that's coming. What other job would be prepared? Like, you're, you're saying you're an employee's, you can't do this action because it goes against employee law, but we haven't actually paid you for 2022, which is also against employee law. There you go, yeah. So uh, maybe the players, so maybe the players should have threatened to counter sue, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's totally, that's totally valid, too, like... But again, then Har's point would come back to the players maybe individually, collectively can't afford to do that. Yeah. Which is the, which is that, a, that is the big, big issue because these players don't make much money in the grand scheme of things. And, yeah. and because of that, I would like to see what happened with Hockey Canada earlier last year with their, um, with the sponsors pulling out in droves. I'd like to see mm. the sponsors who sponsor Canada Soccer. You know, let's see them do some action. Let's see them put out some statements or maybe withdraw some funding if they if they're doing that because you know they the women's team they need help they need some support well, whether it be with the sponsors or maybe government stepping in yeah okay but two things are number one mm-hmm. to, to say we want to grow the game whether the men's women's both whatever and then say i want sponsors to take away money is counterproductive Two, if the Canadian government steps in, then FIFA steps in and shuts down such sounds the CSA like completely. Like the government can't get involved. There's these rules with FIFA where the government can't get involved uh, with elements of how of how the National Football Association is run. Otherwise, they're like sidelined for a period of time. Yeah, Michael, you maybe you can correct I mean, they, me on they, that. They, or... No, that they could technically sanction and say, well, you're not hosting the World Cup in 26. You're not allowed government involvement, but. Yeah. Going to to the first point, which I forget what that was. What was the first point? I would take that chance. You need to clean up the program. I would definitely. Oh, the sponsors. sponsors yeah. yeah. That is a way to put the pressure on the top brass because they've been announcing these sponsorship deals left, right and centre in the build-up to the World Cup. Not a day seemed to go by without me getting an email going, such and such is the new straw provider for Canada soccer and all not, this not straw, stuff. Not straws, Michael. Those are evil. Pa- paper. Paper straws. Paper oh, straws. paper straws. Okay. That's what happened with Hockey Canada. Look at yeah. all the sponsors that pulled out. It made a huge difference. And that, that's, what, that's what caused change. Because there needs to be change at the top. I mean, I, I, 
but but uh, hard also the ice hockey thing doesn't it is not apples and oranges right this is this is like labor dis- was la- labor, yeah this is labor dispute well, versus yeah. abuse scandal like I, I, t- hard. I did not know going into this that Zach loved to see you say so much. I do. He's changed I since going I to Qatar. No. I was familiar. I didn't know he was in their pockets. I, yeah. Yeah. In wow. their pockets. He's going to rip off his hoodie in a second. It's going to be a I love Canada soccer t shirt underneath. Yeah. I'm, but, just playing, I'm just I'm just providing a counter argument to some of things you're saying. I, no, again, I'm not. Point. I'm not it's pro. I'm not. I'm not. I don't think the CSA uh, is great in all this. But by, by well, any... it's fine. I mean, I'm disliking you during this. So I mean, I don't know what the listeners are going to make. But well, but... there's a call tomorrow with the players, so we'll yeah. see kind of what the next step is and what they're saying and what ideas they have. Because the players issued a statement on Saturday saying that they're they've been forced to go back to work. Christine Sinclair is very adamant that they've been forced to to get back to to playing, and they said this fight is not over. And it does make sense in a way because U.S. soccer would have sued Canada soccer if they pulled out the tournament at short notice. Interestingly, though, the men had that friendly that was cancelled against Panama here in June. Now, obviously, that was arranged by the CSA, but they didn't say, well, you going on strike is against our labour laws and not playing that game. So again, why is it okay for the men to go on strike but not the women? I, I don't know the answer to that, but was it the 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 was the players' union wasn't fully recognized at that time? Was it not? But that, again, that doesn't matter. You've got the I, players. I think, I think it does, Michael. I might. I, might, I don't. Again, I don't. So speak basically, language, they'd be but... happy to sue a union, which I guess they would be doing, and not the players. I think it's easier for them. Yeah. Because. Hmm. Like the statement then that the CSA issued on Saturday, which was explaining why they had done this threat, blah, blah, blah. They they also, which I thought was farcical, said um, yes. that it would also affect the countless fans who had undoubtedly travelled to Orlando. Look at all the fucking fans that had travelled to Vancouver. Folk that got the ferry that yeah, yeah. Sunday morning. Yeah, They didn't give a That's toss true. about them. Uh, all yeah, the fans that don't get a home game in April. What about those people? Yeah. Sunday and Monday, players back training, shirts turned inside out, tape over the Canada soccer thing. As Har said, it'd be interesting to see if that's what how they're going to play, how the US are with that as well. I'm pretty sure the US will be in solidarity. Mm-hmm. We know that the men are in solidarity with all of this as well. They issued their own statement that maybe did not go down quite as well because it, it's been seen by someone as an attack on the Canadian Premier League I feel folk have read a little bit too much into that. I see why they feel it's an attack, but it's the, it was just poor wording, I think, of saying minor league. But in the grand scheme of world football, the Canadian Premier League is a minor league, but it's our league and it's our top league. Yeah, That's my I mean, devil's I mean, advocate. I mean, again, these things aren't these things aren't all black or white. Right, they're not just like, oh, this this side has done has done everything perfect. This side's done everything wrong, and in, in, in my my perception, anyways. And so this is an example where I like I, uh, I I'm happy that uh, the 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 men's team is on is on board with the women's team and su- supporting them and and backing them. Um, I know that there's been maybe mis mis miscommunication between the two in the past, even last year. 
so I think it's good that they're supporting. They're they're supportive and they want some of the you know they're not happy about how the you know the budget's cut for this year and how this is going to impact you know the preparations for the the World Cup in Australia and whatever. So I think like I, I stand with them in that. I think that's great. I think uh, the, the the awful thing was they made a very very poor PR decision and they made a very very poor. Um, it's, it's not just wording choice. It just seems like m- kind of moronic that you would um speak down to the players who are going to be raising up into your into your program and taking that next kind of next step and that you were you're you're essentially they were trying they tore down part of the pyramid that is like the 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 lifeblood of the future of of the game in the country it just it was really 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 foolish in my opinion that that wording well, I mean, the, the build-up to this, everyone's obviously been attacking Canadian soccer business in this, and I, I just want to reiterate, because Dental Damnation had asked me this on Twitter, it's like, weren't you saying how good for Canada soccer the CSB was? The CSB has been good for Canada soccer in that if there was no Canadian soccer business, there would be no Canadian Premier League right now. And it would not have survived through the pandemic, even if they had got something up, up and running. It's not even the pandemic, Michael. There would be no Canadian yeah, Premier League period. Probably wouldn't be. But that said, I don't like that Canada soccer, and I've this has been my thing from the start. I've always said I didn't agree that Canada soccer signed this marketing deal that let them have all the the marketing rights for the league for Canada soccer for the national team so that they're getting all these deals done but the players that's playing for the national team's not getting the benefit of it and that's always been a big issue for me now talking of all the statements Zach that have been coming out left right and center the latest one came out just before we started recording this which was from Canada soccer business and again I won't read the the whole statement But basically they said that their goal since inception has been to work with all stakeholders in the game to help make soccer Canada's most popular sport. In pursuit of this goal, we have invested close to $100 million in the development of the game and will continue to do so. Our group of partners includes former national team players such as Rob Friend and Josh Simpson. And they are giving back to the game and country that provide the platform for the success. No investor in Canadian soccer business has ever taken a distribution. Which I take from that to mean, Zach, no person in Canadian soccer business has taken money personally to line their pockets. It's all gone back in to the Canadian Premier League, the teams, stuff like that. My understanding, yes, is exactly that. That the money from, the money that the, the CPL owners who make up the CSB, the money that they get from it, is going to offset operating costs, costs, and they're still at this point in their history losing money, which also is a little bit counter to the men's language of uh, you know it's not yet a for-profit league. I mean, it is a for-profit setup, but the league is not making any money. No, um, and it's going to be a while yet because I mean yeah. the, their statement also says a central See, element of this outreach is ensuring any incremental funding provided by CSB is directed towards programming that can make a meaningful impact now and the future. So it's talking about national teams and stuff there. They do back the Canadian women's national team in that they need more resources and pay equity and everything like that, and they're ready, willing, and able to partner with all stakeholders to help make that happen. So, I mean, I feel that they feel that they've been getting attacked. 
And a lot of folk want Canada Soccer to kill this deal dead with Canada Soccer business. Now, that then leaves Canada Soccer open, I'm sure, to possibly getting sued and that speculation on my part. It's a giant mess though, Zach. And you do have yep. to feel if the CSB went away, I think the CPL would not last. And getting this women's league up and running, whether it's through Project 8, whether it's Project 8 tied in with the CPL owners or whatever, who they already had plans to try and get something happening, you'd have to then wonder about the, the future of that project as well. Alternatively, yeah, I mean it could free up more money from people to put into the Project 8 project. Yeah. The Project 8 thing to me is just weird because it's not actually sanctioned by the CSA at this point. And I know they're in that process of, of doing that. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, we can talk about that some other time. But yeah, I mean, the, the C, like I said, the CPL only exists because because of the, C, because of the CSB. There's multiple things that have played out differently than everyone thought, right? The whole thinking in this deal, and one of the reasons why it was for so long, is because uh, it gave those owners a light at the end of the tunnel with the nation being a co-host for the World Cup, and there that that kind of meaning that there would be some money for the CSA to make to help offset the costs of the league. Again, w would that or you know um, or will that? cover all the all their losses i i don't know um so things that no one expected to happen were one like you said the pandemic that made the losses even worse for the cpl and their owners uh and then two no one expected no one in their right mind expected that the canadian men's national team would be in the 2022 world cup and the benefits that come come with that so yeah we're the we're the csb we're the cpl owners excited about about that of course, because it helps with helps offset more more of the losses of, of running the league. So uh, I think this statement is them coming out and saying, look, yeah, we we are not we're not making money off this deal ourselves. It's helping to offset costs. And we are open to sitting down and or this. I think the statement kind of says they have been talking to Canada Soccer about how can they help well, in, yeah. in these situations. And they're open to sitting down and saying, what what can we do to help? Make things better in this situation. So hard. How, how do you see this moving forward then? How, I mean, resolution seems a long way away, hard, but how do you see things like this moving forward? It's going to be messy, like a dog's breakfast. We don't know what's going to happen, who's going to play, what kind of you know mood they're going to be in, how the coaching is going to go, what the other opponents are going to be. I don't know how you can put it aside and play in these important games. And the U.S. game is the the toughest team they're going to play before the World Cup. So I see it getting more rocky before it's resolved. So we'll see what happens next. So same question to you, Zach. How do you see this proceeding now? Because it's a, a giant mess. Everyone on the player's side feel that they're very far apart from Canada soccer. All Canada soccer statements seem to paint the picture that they're very close to getting the deal done. They've been working hard behind the scenes it, it feels like Canada Soccer feel that the negotiations are at a level up here and the players feel that it's down there and there's a big gap between the two. So I think each side's perception of how these talks have been going, and there was a five-plus-hour meeting in Orlando, which had been apparently previously scheduled anyway, uh, on Saturday that 
we don't know what was discussed at, but it does seem that these parties are very far apart and looking at how things are going very differently. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you're talking about like what's the path forward? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I know there's some people are still hopeful that because the CSB reduced their payments to Canada soccer during the pandemic because of their they weren't able to run a league properly that uh, I've heard people talk about how they still hope that that is an avenue by which Canada soccer could void their deal with CSB and, mm. and, or redo it or whatever. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I don't see that happening. Um, and, and again, these are the CSB and CPL. The, they're partners with Canada, Canada soccer in helping them live out their mission, which is to grow the game in Canada. And so, I think people who have um, vilified the C- CSB CPL, I understand why, but it's a very, very short-sighted uh, approach to me. Are, again, are they perfect? Have they done everything right? I don't know everything they've done, but have they done everything right? Probably not. But this is most likely the best way. For, well, we're in the middle of it. So I don't think, like you say, going back or stopping the progress of this train is only going to cause significant damage yeah a lot of derailments yes and i mean if we're keeping these analogies going is there a light at the end of the tunnel you'd have to feel it is i mean it it does feel like after the men turned the pressure up in june with the world cup looming and everything everything was kind of forgotten about in the public sense obviously the players haven't forgotten about this and the players are looking at this csb deal and going well, you're benefiting from our success and we are not benefiting. And I, I get why they're viewing that. I I think it's harsh to blame the CPL and the owners. They put forward a deal. Canada Soccer could have turned yeah. that deal down. Yeah. Ultimately, Canada Soccer are the, are the, are the ones who bear the responsibility in this. Um, but again... I do think the reason why they made those decisions back in the day, in case people don't know this again, is those rights that they sold were actually were cost them money. Like, well, yeah, because again, we should reiterate: money. nobody wanted to show the Canadian no national would, team games. No one would show. Canada Soccer Canada, had to pay, pay to get the to games on TV, and the CSB deal gave them a guaranteed revenue of whatever it was like one million, at least a million dollars a year, you know, going forward. So they turned in the negative into a positive. Yes, they more. What's the thing? They they mortgage the 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 future to or the mortgage the present to secure the future or yeah whatever kind of whatever oh they the, sold their soul to the devil was another phrase but anyway <laughs> yeah that's a that's a bit different but um yeah because again these they're partners in this Michael yeah right? like they're, but I mean they're it's, to move it's everything a, forward it's a giant mess and that yeah. I I don't like you've got a World Cup coming up for the women and the yeah, uncertainty I feel, I feel, hanging over the feel team horrible. Are, the, the voyageurs have issued a, a statement. Yep. Quite rightly, folk have got in touch going, how can we help? How can we let these players know that they've got the support? Now, the Canadian players, it's hard touch on there. They've got a call coming up from media on Tuesday. So they're going to try and address things there. The one thing that the women's team have, have done well and even better than the men's team is they're using... All they can, their voice on social media and engaging with their with their fans, engaging with the community, in 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 good ways, to put to to leverage it as best they can. So they've yeah. done a great job in that. Oh, and, they, yeah. and that's what that's what this that's what this call tomorrow's call is going to be. Another opportunity for them to 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 press their case in the in the in the, in the public in the, in the public eye, and 
I do. I do. I just want to be clear. I do hope that they can have the best preparation possible for the World Cup. Uh, same as them, it's like same as whatever the men had. I think the women should have. I think the fact that there's not a, a home send-off game, that's a that's a that should never happen. Yeah, I feel I feel that the where things are right now, if they can be remedied ahead of that World Cup, I think they should be. How that happens, I don't have the inside knowledge to to tell you how that can or should happen. No, I mean, I th- folk are wanting heads to roll at the top. We'll we'll see if they do, but we know this story is going to run and run. And I think yeah. the the coming week, there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out. But that's pretty much it for the football chat. There's been some fun. There's been some sad things we've talked about. Some despair. We've shared our love. So let let's just finish with a little bit of fun. And it's time for this week's Wavelength. We're, we're going to finish with some light relief. And friends of the show, Cunt and the Gang, are back with a song for Valentine's Day. And as as always, when we, we play their songs on the show, we will say, not for the easily offended, just fast forward, uh, parental advisory lyrics, all that kind of nonsense. But I mean, let's be honest, if you're listening to this show after all this time and you're easily offended, I'm not really sure what you're expecting from us anymore. I mean, we've all fallen in love with football. You fall in love with a player. Fans fall in love with each other. But there's a forbidden love between a player and an official. And this is a song from 2009 from their Here's One I Knocked Out Earlier, Rare and Unreleased, though not anymore. You can get that on Bandcamp. And this is Female Referee. Blow my whistle one more time, I promise not to be. But I got a 
my old man's vulgar brain. Friends of the show, Kent and the gang, with their song, Female Referee. Uh, you can't help who you fall in love with, and it's all derailed by vehicular manslaughter. That That is the song. That's, that's the song, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course it is. Oh, <laughs> oh Michael. Thought we'd end with a, a little bit of fun there. But that is it for this week's show. Just before we go, thanks for joining us on the, the show this week, Har. Just before you go, let everyone know where they can find your stuff online and what you've got planned down at the She Believes Cup. Well, I'm going to go there and I will be on a hunt for some biscuits, so I'll see what they have down there. Uh, you can find my work on the internet. I'll have lots of stuff with Equalizer Soccer. And, uh, yeah. And give her a follow. Hard journalist on Twitter. Zach, any final thoughts from you this week? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary M. Again, occasionally tweeting. Um, and things are uh, getting going uh, more and more with uh, what's going on with Vancouver FC of the Canadian Premier League in the in the Valley, playing out of uh, Langley. Anyways, if you want to be involved, you can, uh, yeah, fvfanatics at gmail.com. Be in touch. Do because there's going to be a lot more news coming out as we kind of touched on in part three. Give us a follow on Twitter, AFT in Canada. See our videos, give us a like, subscribe, turn on notifications on YouTube, AFT in Canada on there as well. We'll be back with another show soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care, mon the caps, and come on the Canadian women's national team. Stand your ground. Get what you deserve. Bye, everybody. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.